Welcome to a special edition episode of A Good Right Hander. Um, anyone that's been on Twitter or listened to the podcast last week, um, particularly the phone-in show, will know that I have dedicated this to um, discuss addiction and mental health. And I've been joined by a new friend. Um, his name's Peter Kay. Um and myself and Peter, again, if you listen to the podcast, had a discussion about addiction and Peter said his own um, issues, which thankfully he has managed to overcome. And it was also off the back of what I said, some things about Tyson Fury um, and the way he'd approached um, his issues and, and, and my opinion hadn't been quite truthful. So um, I just want to introduce it. That's why I've no music this week, because I don't want to make it all razzmatazzy or you know, not do it justice. So, Peter, how are you? I am. I'm not bad. I'm not bad. I'm glad to be here. It's a, it's a subject that's obviously, as you've mentioned, quite close to my own heart. So, yeah, yeah I'm, uh, I'm looking forward to letting people know a bit about me, and uh, hopefully by hearing some of the stuff that's yeah. not particularly nice that I've done, that they can maybe not do it themselves. Yeah, I think that. I, 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 hopefully, the intro was was good enough. I don't want to blow it into something that's not and make it sound, let's say, overly dramatic, but it's obviously quite an important subject. And, and, and like I said, I'd said some things about Tyson Fury and his health problems and mental health problems and said a lot of them had been caused by himself. Um, and then we obviously had the discussion, but I want to to, to start um, by giving you the opportunity to explain a little bit about the conversation we had where things are coming from, and and on obviously why you're you've decided to also do this podcast. Well, obviously you said yourself you spoke about um, about Tyson Fury on the the podcast last Monday. Yeah. Um, and obviously I don't know what his media team or anybody behind him has told him what to say. Um, mental health's a bit a, a big subject. And not just in Britain, not just in sport, but you know, worldwide. Yeah. Um, the reason that we are kind of doing this podcast is because of what became apparent with Tyson Fury is the addiction that he had, be it the drink or the the drugs, and how that affects your mental health. Yeah. yeah. Um, now, obviously, I've got first-hand experience of of an addiction, so. I can kind of try and shine a bit of a light on maybe some of the reasons why or how the alcohol and the drugs, the same as my gambling, can affect infected my mental health, can affect anybody's and could possibly have affected that. Yeah, that's what I was was going to say, mate. Could you frame for everybody, because obviously we're two just normal working class guys um, from in and around the Glasgow areas, you can probably tell with accents. Um, can you frame and give us a little bit of background about your particular addiction, which was obviously gambling, and give us a, yes. a, a, a give us a, a backstory, mate, to, to to what happened to you, and then we can obviously expand into into other things. But I think everybody should understand where you're coming from and maybe what your experience has been. Yes, just stop me if I go on because I mean it's it's quite lengthy. I think to be honest with you, I yeah. have to. I have to kind of go right back. I mean, my childhood, I had a great childhood. I never 
the strange thing with my story is I, w- I was never surrounded by gambling. I was never surrounded by any addiction, to be honest, and a lot of the figures that, that are kind of taken in with regards to addictions, a lot of the people see it firsthand when they're young. Yeah. So they don't really know any different. Right. Whereas myself, I, I was never around gambling. Nobody in my family really liked gambling. I mean, yeah. maybe my grand and my papa enjoyed the bingo, but it, it was once a week. It was nothing not different from what a lot of people would do. Yeah. So I, I didn't have any reason in my childhood to become a compulsive gambler. Right, okay. Um, so therefore, the, it, it totally comes down to me, you know. It doesn't come down to me being able to say that I grew up with it and that I was influenced by anybody else because it wasn't, it was me. So I had a great childhood. Yeah. And and the worst thing about about being a compulsive gambler is I can actually tell you right now the singular the singular bet that got me hooked. And that sounds like a strange thing to say. Right. Because I gamble very, very heavily for quite a while, but because that's what I was about to ask me. Where did it, given what you've just said, where where did it start for you? Because that's a that's maybe an unfamiliar story to many. Say that there wasn't a history in the family. Um, you yeah, didn't really have that going on around you, and then there's been something that's been a catalyst for you to to be to be basically plunged into an addiction. So what what was that singular bet or singular moment that you think you can trace it back to? Well, my, my first ever bet, it was, I was only 17, right, okay. um, and it, it was socially, so it was with friends, it was up at a friend's house and somebody had put the bet on for us, and um, me being the inexperienced person, I'd never done it yeah. before, I decided that I'd pick football teams over three days, Right. Okay. so on my Saturday teams won, on my Sunday teams won, and it was, I had Liverpool waiting to play Aston Villa yeah. at Anfield, However many years ago it was, and Aston Villa beat Liverpool 3-2, and I was waiting for 800 quid. Right, okay. And see the buzz that I got watching that game, even when they were losing? It, it was, I'd never felt anything like it in my life. Nothing, nothing ever compared to that buzz, win or lose. And see, from there, I, I, I didn't become completely addicted to gambling right away. Right. That, that, the seed was ultimately planted that day. Okay. Do, do qu- um, question on that then, mate. D- did you win? Did you win money? No, no, it lost. So that, that so that's unusual because most people they always, they always say it starts when you you know beginners luck sort of thing. You put money in a fruit machine that comes in, you get a few quid, and then you you go from there because you're always chasing. Or you yeah. or, or you think you can win? Um, exactly. So that that's unusual. That's what we want to get. At. Did you did you actually win? And you're saying I no. Know, it, the fact that it, that it lost, do you know what, to be honest with you, I don't think it would have mattered if it had won or lost. The, what, the buzz that what, I got. What does that buzz feel like? What does that buzz feel like? Because unlike a lot of other things where drugs and, and, and the, 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 I don't know if you've ever taken drugs, I, I, you know, whether you want to say or not. Um, but no, people I've, got, never, I've never taken any drugs, never well, smoked in my life, so... See, I, I've taken yeah. drugs, so I'm, I'm going to come at the addiction stuff for a bit of a different angle, so I'm trying to get around my head. I know I can yeah. understand somebody taking something that's going to give you a buzz and it alters your, your your sense of perception or whatever and takes you away from maybe your, your normal everyday life. But that gambling addiction doesn't seem to do that for me. So so what does that buzz feel like if you can compare it to anything? Uh, see something you enjoy doing, right? Say, say you play sport 
Right. Say you play for a team and you score the winning goal in the cup final. Right. See that adrenaline rush you get. Yeah. Times that by a hundred. And you felt. Yeah. You felt that straight away. Yeah, straight. That. It, see, it, it didn't matter all the rest of the games had won. I wasn't bothered then, but see, knowing that that I had, that I was sitting with ninety minutes away for the opportunity to win all that money. Your body actually kind of contain the amount of adrenaline that's gone through it. Right, in okay. my opinion, it just couldn't it couldn't contain it. I was I mean I was physically shaking. Right. At the time. But the 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 thing about gambling is whereas drink and drugs are more harmful to your, your body yep. and they give you the low or the high or whatever they're intending to do. Mm. Apart from monetary wise, gambling is completely mental. And no mental as in crazy, it's yeah. it's what it does to your head. What's well, the issue? See, this is the thing, Peter. Drink, every sort of addiction works on a very similar premise. Um, although you, although you say drugs and drink affects your body, it's the mental thing that gets you addicted because because of the serotonin release. Yeah, it's because of the serotonin release, and it's how drugs and any addiction works on that basis, where you you get a small burst of serotonin and adrenaline, like you said, and you you, you chase that high. You like it gives you that feeling. Drugs and obviously drugs replicate it, and, and things like ecstasy and cocaine will, will give you a real high and a real burst of serotonin. Hence the reason the phrase "come down," you know, um, and it affects you mentally for 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 days after and and bodily, obviously, because it's got that 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 effect that maybe gambling doesn't have on you. So going from from that first time you said you lost, but it was the catalyst when. What was the next thing that, that, that kicked you on, or what was the thing that really kicked you in? Obviously, you've got this adrenaline buzz, and you're going, I want a bit of that again. What then um, takes off for that? Then, I mean, I was, I was putting football curtains on to begin with, kind of every, just every Saturday. How much were you gambling? Then, sorry? How much were you betting, roughly, at the uh, start? Then, then it wasn't massive. It was probably, you're talking, maybe a tenner. Right, okay. A tenner at the most. Yeah. Um, it, it just so happened that no long after that, I had applied to get into university and I got in. I also had another a part-time job and they changed hands and the, the, basically we were going into administration. So I really wasn't care. and I, I was leaving my work to go and gamble. Again, it wasn't much, but it was during the week every single day. So although the stakes weren't escalating... The frequency of it was was getting there. Was the buzz still so, there? Was that was that buzz still there? You know. I, listen, see, see until the last ever bet I placed before I stopped gambling, the buzz was there for the first one and the last one. Right. Okay. That's interesting. Um, and basically, it, as as the frequency kind of got higher, and I moved through my life, uh, I was at university, and it wasn't for me. Right. Uh, do you think the gambling had anything to do with that, though, Peter? Do you think the gambling took, took my concentration away from university, if I'm right. honest? So it, it didn't, because I was getting more and more into, as I said, the frequency was getting higher, if not the stakes yet, so right. it was taking up more of my attention, more of yeah. my time. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and I met somebody while, while I was at university, you know, and I can remember another time where we were in her house, and, and she was try to convince me to go to the cinema or to go out for dinner or something and yeah. I had hijacked her laptop and was watching racing on it. Right, okay. Um, and it's a very, very... Now that I look back, I think to myself, why did she tolerate that? 
you know, but I couldn't see that at the time. Right. So it's gambling actually puts you in your own big bubble. Yeah. It's like it takes you away from. A lot of people use gambling as a release or, a, yep. or something to hide for their problems, and I, I did that a lot myself. You know, but they do that with drugs um, as well, mate. And a lot of addictions are to, to hide things or, or, or change away, get you away from reality. In effect, um, quick question. And in effect, just while we're here, talking right, about that, yeah. I actually think that's possibly what a possibility of what may have happened to Tyson Fury because he just became the heavyweight champion of the world yeah. and I think at that point he had all the belts bar one if I'm not wrong I think he had them all so well it, it might have been a lot for him to take and maybe he just had to get away from the fact that he was now Tyson Fury heavyweight champion everybody wanted a piece of him yeah so but to go from nothing to that is, is a big thing well see the, my, my thing and in, in while we're quickly jumping onto the Tyson Fury thing I think Tyson was already doing some of that stuff he says he wasn't he says he wasn't but I've done it and I've been around people that are doing it and you don't suddenly let's say won the world heavyweight title at 24 25 26 whatever it was and then start taking drugs you know there's, there's, there's been a background where and I'm not listen I'm not calling a guy a drug taker but you know the recreational drugs is a wash in this country and every other country in Western Europe and across the world really and I think he has maybe dabbled in it before but when he's won the world title he's not necessarily been lost I think he's maybe just started to go in benders and then that started to make him feel anxious and then he's worried about mm-hmm. how he's going to defend his world title and he's what he's got many of the match, rematch with Klitschko and everything starts to unwind a little bit for him and then that kicks on to to mental health issues because they were caught that which were caused by the drink and drugs and um, mm-hmm. maybe because the thing is you don't, yeah you don't become an addict the click of your finger, it, no. it's, it's a pretty gradual build up to be honest, it no, starts off yeah. it's not a problem. See I, I don't think he was ever an addict though, I think what was happening with him was be, he, he was he was just maybe went far too far with, 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 with drinking and drugs and then started to spiral and he's never really be, been addicted to it but mm-hmm. he's, he started to obviously affect his mental and physical health quite dramatically and then he's had the the mental strength, funnily enough, to well, to, 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 to realise, look at yourself in the mirror, give yourself a fucking slap. There's probably a lot of times he was in tears and sitting in his own and stuff like that, and he's went, yeah, I need to get myself back to being Tyson Fury. Um, so I think that's possibly happened with him. Uh, and it's, such, I mean, you know, it's, it's a situational health problem rather than yeah. an actual, you know, there's... Um, there's something mentally wrong with you. It's a situation that then caused a a spiral into some sort of addictions, and therefore, obviously, started to affect your mental health. But um, it's basically as an, as an addiction when you want to kick it. The the one of the hard, you know, the actual beat, like, stopping of whatever your addiction is sounds fair enough. Isn't the hard part? No. The hard part is. Fill in the void, yeah. The time that you're then taking away from when you used to do it, but it's also changing yourself as a person. See, that, th- that's the hardest bit. That's the bit that going, I've, yeah. I've found the hardest. Going, going back to your addiction, no, mate. You obviously said the university thing wasn't for you, and then obviously, and then I've asked you, you've went, well, it was probably caused by the gambling addiction because I couldn't concentrate. Uh, and you said you, you had a, a girlfriend at the time, and you were doing certain things, and she never pulled you up on it. Was there anybody at an early stage 
that said anything to you? Was there anybody that noticed a, a, a point where they went, Peter's fucking cracking on with his car, you know, football was, cuttings was or whatever? Um, right, okay. Apart from that one occasion there. Yeah. Um, after that, I was scared. Anybody tried to tell me to stop it, so I became very, very secretive. How much were you gambling so, a week? How much, what, how much did you start to gamble a week? When did you, when did you realise there was a problem? But when did you go, fuck, I'm addicted? And and was it a monetary value that you knew you were addicted, or was it just the frequency? When when did you go, I'm addicted, or, or did you never say that until much, much, much further down the line? I never admitted it until I got caught, and that's probably about seven years down the line from where we've got to the now. How much money were you spending a week then, and 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 the midst it? What was the what was the 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 well, monetary value. Back then it wasn't too bad, but see when I left uni, um, and the other company had been out of business, I found myself spending every single day in the bookies at that point. Right. So I would make an excuse to my parents when I was still at home that I was going somewhere and I wasn't, I was going down the street to get something to eat and sit, sit in the back of the bookies where nobody could see me. Right, okay. And that, that was again me escaping because I had nothing. I'd, fell out of uni, I, I didn't have a job at this point, so I, I had nothing and this was my escape to fill my day. Even then, the stakes weren't that high, see if you move on a bit, I mean, I eventually got a really good job and uh, moved in with the girl that I was with at the time. Now, I, I, I don't know how I'd managed to get money together because see, see then, I was actually keeping my phone in my pocket at work when I wasn't supposed to and I was betting at yeah. every single opportunity. Right. Now, you're talking every single race. It was mostly then. It was still just football and horses. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask. Was it? Was it? What was it? What was it specifically? Was there a specific event or sport that you? No, no. That, this is where a lot of compulsive gamblers say, or Cheltenham, or Aintree, or the Grand National meeting, or ask it. Good would see for me. It could be a, a million pound race at Aintree. Or it could be a race worth 50 quid at Wolverhampton on Friday night at quarter to ten. It really didn't matter as long as I was gambling. Did you? Non-specific events. It didn't have to be anything fancy. As long as there was two horses running. Yeah. I'm I'm pretty sure if I had to walk into a room at one point and somebody offered me odds and two flies running up a wall, I would... I would them up, well, that's the thing they say about Chinese people in it, because they're quite heavy gamblers, and, and and they tend to bet on a lot of things. I know that's probably a racial stereotype, and people might not like that, but that's that's where that saying comes from a lot, <laughs> pretty much. Um, that is where that comes from. So, see if you see if you kind of move on. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just trying to get the, I'm just trying to get the early stages, mate. Because what, what I'm, what I'm kind of getting at, but with this, is, this is where I'm going to get to kind of where, it, where it kind of got a bit serious. Yeah, but what I'm trying to get at is, is it for me? There's some situations that have happened early on that have that seem to have been a, a, a catalyst for you then going into gambling. Whether you'd have still done it or not. I, I'm wondering if you'd kept the university thing together and the job hadn't uh, uh, have ended. Do you think, cause like you said, you were trying to full time, do you think if you'd managed to stick at university and the job hadn't fell apart, do you think those situations would have made any difference or do you think you'd have, just would, you'd have fell into it anyway? I th- I, to be honest with you, I'm, I'm, I'm an addictive personality. That's the kind of personality I've got. Right. When... When I want to do something, I, I don't really have half measures, so I'm quite, I, I dive head first. So I think 
the university thing and the job thing might have made the process a bit slower. Right, okay. Might have made it not escalate as quick. But the seed was always planted in my head for that first time, so I think, right. although that it might have helped it not move as quickly, I think eventually it would have got to the stage that it got anyway, just down to how it made me feel in, in my personality. Yeah. I'm, I'm not trying to slow up your story or anything, mate, because I think a lot. I, I think for me, a lot, of, and, and and I can talk about. I'll talk about the, some of the drug things after, after we get through this part. For me, I um I, I think a lot of the mental health issues are, are situational. Um, they're caused by something happening in someone's life, and or or, or addiction is also a, the addiction is caused by situational stuff, and then the mental health is caused by something's happened and. You've, you've you've sent yourself into a little spiral drink or drugs or, or whatever. So I think a lot of things are situational. So that's why I was asking you: Could you honestly say that that would have it would have definitely happened? And you seem to be like, yeah, listen, the seeds were sown. It, that might have slowed it down, but I think I just still went where I went. Definitely. So I mean, the, the amount of people that I know, right, that, that have gone to the same fellowship I go to, that have been off a gambling for a decent amount of time and see trying to search for a reason that made them gamble in the first mm. place it's actually sent them back gambling because it's both them mad right so okay i totally agree with what you're saying but yeah. there will be something there right that that has made you do whatever your addiction is because there has to be that point where you stand there and you say to yourself is this what i want or is this not what i want and that your decision that you choose at that point can can affect your full life. Did you did you ever have that point? Because I get again, obviously, like I said, we, I'm, I'm going to challenge you quite a lot as well, buddy. Because we want people to listen to this and and and, and and try and help. And I think if we can address the initial stages that people might see a trigger in them and go, shit, I'm already going down that route. Because I think your story, when she plunged into addiction, is is a warning for people. It is most of the, is most of these things are. But I'm just trying to see if there's a a trigger or something we can go. What changed? What happened? What could you have done differently at that point that might have affected it? I, I don't think I could have done anything any different. Not that I could have done anything any different, but I think no matter what I did, this was the path that was laid out for me. Right, okay. um, to be honest, I had some moments a bit later on in my life that I had the choice whether to keep gambling or not, and obviously chose to keep gambling. So. Okay. I don't think no matter what I'd have done, I think you could have you could have tied me up in a room and I'd have still attempted to go and gamble, if I'm honest with you. Dude. It, unfortunately for me, it was the yeah. it was the path that was laid out for me and I couldn't change it. The reason I couldn't change it is because I didn't want to change it. Right, okay, yeah. What, what I need to totally yeah. say as well is, I loved gambling. I loved, I loved horses. I loved studying football. I loved it and that, that's partly responsible as well for me getting in the situations that I got in is because I enjoyed it. Yeah. Because if you enjoy something you don't question it as much as well. Well most people do, that's the thing. If somebody I mean anybody listening to this that thinks um uh, the the addictions that people have are you know, drunk drugs are good are, are feel good or people wouldn't fucking take them. Do you know what I mean? Some drugs are are, are obviously let's say people slight say slightly worse than others, but people wouldn't be taking cocaine and can ecstasy and you know ketamine and and then some people are taking things like heroin and stuff like that if it fucking didn't feel good do you know what i mean it does feel at the time it does obviously feel good 
So there's no point in, in you or me sitting talking me talking about drugs or you talking about gambling and say, do you know what? It was a horrible feeling and I hated it. You're, you're right. It, it's good. That's why people fucking get addicted to it. <laughs> I couldn't find anything that replicated the the feeling I got when I gambled, so I didn't I didn't want to stop it because I, I was addicted to the adrenaline rush as well, not just the gambling. Did did and you I, did you drink when you were gambling? That even remotely got close to it, then I didn't I didn't want to give it up. Did you drink when you were gambling, Peter? Because a lot of the way things are set up in this country, and I'm not sure how how it is abroad, but certainly when you walk about the UK, you have a betting shop right next to a boozer's. And there's a reason for that. <laughs> that's that's a deliberate act. I do see a lot of it, um, but no, no, I, I quite liked. I was one of those gamblers that thought it was smarter than the average bear, if I'm honest. So yeah. I was the the form man. I was the studying. I was the studying the football form, homes and aways. Yeah. I like yeah. to be in control. Okay. So drink was a kind of. To be honest with you, Everton was a distraction. The amount in my life that suffered because of gambling is unreal, and I—that's because I put gambling before everything else. So we I put gambling before jobs. I put gambling before my partner at the time. I put it before everything. So we we, we kind of jumped into the Tyson Fury thing, and then we've done a few avenues as you were starting to get into the part where you'd moved in with somebody, you got a good job, your gambling was was starting to get. From if, if, if I'm if I'm right, it was starting to get progressively worse, and you were now into a proper what you would call a spiral that you probably couldn't see see coming. So if you want to, I mean, like people listening, this isn't a can you know a story a, a, a greatness or or anything like that. Peter's probably just going to explain to you how fucking bad things can actually get. Um, and it's not because Peter or anybody's looking for a pat in the back because, you know, Peter's got his addiction under control. We want you to fucking get your head around how fucking stupid this is and how it can really affect not just you and other people. So I, I don't want anybody listening to this to think at the end that anybody needs a pat in the back because Peter's probably going to tell you how, how things really go. Um, and, and I'll let you continue with that, mate. I just want to. I'm, I'm quite passionate about people don't, don't don't see this as something that's not, and, it, and I think you're about to delve into that and, and, and describe how how bad this can actually get. I mean, um, from there, when I had a good job, everything in the job was fine. Everything in the home was pretty pretty good. The one thing I will say is. I never gave my partner, I gave my partner at the time a bank card, and before I go any further, right, if anybody's listening to this, you're going to hear some things that are pretty bad, so I'm going to apologise forefrontly that if anything I hear people think it's really, really bad, don't switch it off, because listen, listen to the end where you can hear how I've managed to turn my life round, yeah. um, I'm not proud of any of the stuff I've done, I really am, and I still wake up every single day and it makes me sick. But I can't change any of that. Yeah. That's not an excuse. But all I'm saying is, please don't turn off. Give it a listen, um, and it might make you think about it. So, as I said, I'd gave my partner at the time a bank card, and when it was getting more heavy, I was very wary of her being able to check what kind of money was coming out. Now I thought it was fly. I had my little my own bank account. We had a joint bank account at this time. I had my own bank account, and I was just moving money from one to the other. I was still very scared of her checking and wondering where the money was going, so I decided it was a great idea to cut her bank card up so she couldn't get access to the bank. Right. So, um, then I felt like I had a free reign from there. Um, It ended up getting so bad that I was gambling every race, every day. The stakes were getting higher that 
um, I didn't have any money for food. Mm. And um, I had to put some stuff through at the job I was at and to pay for it the next morning and left the receipt there to pay it and somebody, somebody grasped me in. So it went downhill from there. I ended up getting taking a, taking a meeting and I got sacked because I didn't have any grounds and the person that was there when it happened threw me to the wolves. My own fault, right? But the reason is, the reason I couldn't buy any food is because I'd gambled all my money. Mm. So at this point, I was still paying all my bills. Yeah. Um, I just didn't have any money for anything else. So when I lost my job, this time through the fault of my own and roof through the company, I became pretty ill. Um, I got diagnosed with ulcerative colitis, so I couldn't work on medical grounds. So my partner at the time was bringing all the money in. And this is the point here where it gets a bit worse. So it's partly down to the fact that I had my own stupidity had lost my job, but it was also partly down to the fact that I was binging in very, very little money. Yeah. And I felt inadequate, if I'm honest with you. that's okay. I don't mind saying that. As a man, I don't, I don't mind saying that. I'm just being honest. Yeah. I felt inadequate because yeah. I wasn't... Now that, that might sound a bit sexist because it seems like the man has to bring in the money, and I don't mean it in that way. But that that's how I felt, I need to be honest. Yeah, you know? yeah. Um, so I decided to start gambling all the time, all day, every day, to try and bring money in. More money than I was bringing in. Right. Um, so it became the stage where I started gambling on my phone, online. Um, I didn't even have to leave the comfort of the house, which was great for me. Um, my diet deteriorated. I wouldn't spend any money on decent food because I wanted more money to gamble. Um, it became a stage where the likes of Brazilian football, South African horse racing, United Arab Emirates American horse racing yeah. was the norm for me because it was more convenient timing to fill in the gaps when there was no normal types of gambling on. Yeah. When my, my partner was night shift, I would have, as I said, Brazilian football bets for all hours of the morning. I would be betting on things like volleyball, basketball, darts, anything to get my fix. And see if I had, see if somebody had seen me at this point. Yeah. They could have looked at me and says, what's going on? But I, nobody knew. That's, that's where... Where it's probably affected me the most is the fact that nobody knew I was gambling. Um, so from then, uh, it just went completely, completely nuts. And I, I honestly don't know how I, I lasted as long as I did in that spiral without being caught. Um, I'm going to say something that's going to sound really, really terrible, and I'm ashamed of it, and it's one of the most ashamed things I've ever done in my entire life, but we actually done an event for a charity. Um, to raise money for a specific charity that has a close part of my heart. Basically, it was, it was, I think it was Marie Curie. Yeah. And my dad had had cancer. Right. He survived it. Yeah. I was in such a bad place that before the money could even get sent away for that cancer charity, I gambled it. Mm. And that's a horrible, horrible thing to say. Mm. But yeah. I did it. I, I wasn't a well person, and that's no excuse. Um, but I was ill. But I didn't realise I was ill, this is the problem. I mean, I don't know at what stage and how bad it has to get that 
I justified to myself gambling money for a charity. Do I you, thought that was all right. Had by this point, you'd obviously said, and just to, to, to pick up on something you said, you started saying your diet and your health and stuff was being affected. Do you think, obviously you were, you were starting to be in the midst of a, an addiction, um, do you think that you are therefore this was starting to affect both your mental and physical health and that was coming with addiction? Do you think at any point you were starting to go down the route of being depressed about it? If, 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 you know what I'm trying to... I'm not saying... I don't want you to say, yeah, I was depressed or anything like that. I'm just saying, because there's physical and mental things starting to happen because of your addiction, it's, very, it's starting to sound very similar to... To a lot of type of addictions where you physically and mentally start to deteriorate a little bit do you think that was starting to happen to you or do you think it was just at this point you were you were relatively fine but the addiction was just gripped you it, the addiction definitely gripped me but I was in I was in denial about about how it had affected me mentally so yeah. obviously I say see that I had a medical condition at the same time yeah which was very very handy for me because I was able to use that to mask the signs of gambling. Yep, yep. So, the weight loss and and the kind of feeling fed up or or slightly depressed or just struggling with day to day life, I was able to use the the medical condition as that. Yep. And a lot of people did tell me that I should have went to the doctors, but if I went to the doctors, the possibility of letting slippy with the real reason of it all would have been too much for me. So. I just kind of palmed it off, and that's where I think that was my downfall because I had that medical condition to fall back on, yeah. and therefore I could use that as the sign to mask the signs of gambling. Yeah, basically. Um, but I understand not everybody's not everybody's like that, and, and yeah. the addictions affect people in a totally different way. And, yeah, they can. And I probably did have I probably did have mental health issues through the gambling or, or depression or however you want to you talk about it, but yeah. I knew addressing it would mean uh, the possibility of affecting my time to gamble and I, or yeah. my judgement of gambling and I didn't want that so as again the situation arose where instead of me or anybody else gambling came first. Yeah, so you, you've, um, you've reached obviously the point where you've, you've, you're starting to hit real lows where you're hiding it, you're using health conditions to, 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 to hide and um, allow you to continue in a, in, in a certain lifestyle and you've then went and used charity money, now obviously we've spoke before this, it, start, it starts to keep going downhill from, from this point um, so, so what kicks on for the charity thing buddy, where do, we, where, do, where do we then start to go? We started to go down the route where I wasn't paying any of my bills um, and we were getting letters quite a lot of the time and I was making excuses like, oh, the Virgin Media had taken a double payment and mm. that's why we had no money and the, the money I'd been on because of my health condition hadn't came yeah. in and we, I borrowed money off the other people, family members and I had run up an overdraft and a, a credit card and basically it was getting to the stage where I was finding it more difficult to to get all the money. Yeah. Um, so, it felt like at that point, the walls were coming down on me. Right. And, I decided to, ignore the doctor's, wishes that I didn't work, and I decided to go and look for jobs again. Um, so I started working again. Yeah. Um, and, 
that that what I thought would make it better made it a million times worse even than it possibly could be because just the more money I had, the more money I would gamble. Ah, right, okay. Um, now, although, although the bills started getting paid, I was smart. That's that's the biggest problem. Or I th- no, do you know what I was going to say? I thought I was smart. I was smart. I had this from everybody. And uh, I thought to myself, well, I can sacrifice getting a job, still being able to gamble on this job on my phone, sacrifice some of the money for bills and actually pay them. It just gives me more money to gamble when I'm in the clear after the bills are paid and there's no letters yeah. coming in, so it's less questions. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it, it got to the stage where I was scared the letters coming in, so I actually got a hold of the postman and I got his phone number and I, and I slipped him some money now again to keep a hold of letters so they Jeez. didn't get in the house when I wasn't there. Jeez. And I ain't proud of that either. But no. But that's how much I was intending not getting caught. Um, and... There was there was big wins in there. There was yeah. there was big wins in there. Um, I mean, it's the worst thing that you know. It's not. I was going to say it's the worst thing that can happen, but it doesn't matter what happened. I saw as I spoke to you on the phone and I said, "Yeah, see if I had a million pound, I would have gambled every penny." Yeah, yeah. No matter how much money I had, it wasn't enough. But I don't even know what I was gambling for, because see, in my life, it, I had everything that I wanted, but it wasn't enough. Mm. And that's quite sad, you know. Sitting, it's, yeah. sometimes it can not really be easy talking about this kind of thing. No, of course, I'm, not, of course not. I'm a wee bit sad because I could have had anything that I wanted, but I didn't know I wanted to do was gamble. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it actually got to the stage where, where I was working, I made out like a customer had came in, and I had a. This is when I had a big one. Right. I made out a customer had came in and uh, and bought me a scratch card for Christmas. Right. I didn't know whether it was coming. This is this is all fabrication. Yeah, yeah, this is yeah, yeah. Meeting up to, to be able to tell people that I'd won money. Yeah. I made up like I didn't know if it was company policy that I was allowed to accept it. So I scratched it off without telling him. Yeah. It won two grand. Right. So I put two grand back into the house, and that wasn't even. Well, put it this way, there was another probably four times that that I didn't tell him there, but. Yeah. Um. So I did that. To justify putting the money into the house, and I, I told everybody not to tell them, Dave, so that my work didn't find out and all that. Yeah, yeah. Which, to be honest, was all bullshit. It was yeah. an excuse to cover my own back. And the most sickening part of all that is, see, I thought I was, I thought I was the man. I was strutting about, thinking mm-hmm. that I was, you know, big man in campus, and I wasn't. I was just very, very lucky. Um. The moral of that story is, see the rest of the money that I didn't tell them there, but yeah, you'd be lucky if it lasted two weeks. How much money are you talking about then, Peter? In two weeks? Eh, uh, but you're probably talking about eight grand. Right. Okay. In two weeks. Which is quite a uh, chunk of money. No, <laughs> you're bloody right. It is. I wish I had eight grand in it. <laughs> um, <laughs> but that's that's where I was at, and. <sighs> I was superstitious, so I had my lucky numbers when it, yeah. this dogs, dogs came into the equation as well here, and that that was what just about finished me off, um, because it's over that quick, but they know the fact that it was over that quick, there's so many races. Yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. And number three was my number, um, it was my, my previous partner's 
day she was born or the month yeah. and it was my month so I made that excuse that that was my number and I remember I remember it was Cheltenham one year yeah it had been this is going on to kind of no long before yeah I stopped gambling okay it was Cheltenham it must have been three years ago and uh, or three years in March anyway and uh, I had had a good win it was I probably turned about a hundred quid into kind of 1500 right now, I want to be aware that the money sums don't matter, right? See, I'll, I'll go into it in a minute, the fact that I'm at, I'm at Gamblers Anonymous, right? But yeah. money, money isn't, it doesn't matter how much money. See, if you're doing the same things as me, no matter how much money you spend, yeah, it's the same thing. Okay. So money doesn't matter. And I don't want to say about the figures to make myself sound big. That's just no, no, of course not. Of course not. I'm just... So I remember doing that, and I was standing there, and I was, I was contemplating that I, I was in the bookies at the time. Which was very rare, uh, probably because I had no money in my bank to put it on online. To be honest, <coughs> excuse me. Um, and I had about fifteen hundred quid in my hand, and I was totally contemplating just looking at the screen and picking the next number three and putting it on it. Right. And and I don't know what stopped me. I, I, I looked down at the money and I says to myself, "What are you doing?" So I walked out and I walked back down to my work and. I didn't gamble for the rest of that day. But okay. see, within the next two days, that money was away. Right, right, okay. So it didn't stop me enough. It stopped me in the moment, but it didn't stop me enough. Um, so that was about a week before before I, uh, Everton, Everton hit the fan. And I'm going to be honest with you, I don't, I don't feel too comfortable with saying what happened when I got caught. Okay, um, okay. There's too, there's too much to bring in and yeah. there's too many people to bring in and okay. basically I, I got caught um, yeah. the bank got checked and I got caught right, um, okay. and I lost everything I lost the house I lost my partner I lost my wee cat and dog it sounds trivial to some people but it was important to me Yeah. but I didn't I didn't realise it was important until it was too late yeah so I lost Everton, um, and from there, I've, I've never gambled since that day. See that day I got caught? I've never placed another bet since that day. Okay. And for 13 weeks after that, I didn't gamble off my own back. Okay. The reason I didn't gamble off my own back was the fact that I was spiting myself for the fact that I'd lost Everton that I treasured in my life at that point. Okay. I was I was doing that to try and teach myself a lesson. Mm-hmm. And so it's kind of, it's kind of like, it's kind of like, I'm not going to say self harm. I know that's a different thing, but you're you're, you're trying to somehow punish yourself. Mm-hmm. I, 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 that's what it sounds like. If that if that makes sense. Um, this is where the mental health possibly comes in because okay. see for the last couple of weeks or those 13 weeks yeah. I was seriously, seriously contemplating suicide if I'm honest Right, okay And that's not something I take very lightly because no. I, I don't like the subject and, and I'll the same as a couple of other things I've mentioned I hate myself for even thinking of it Yeah But that was the stage it had got me to Because yeah. I had nothing Right I had absolutely nothing I'd lost everything and that, but it was me I'd done it yeah, yeah. And that that was the stage that it got to. Uh-huh. Um, but I never ever seeked medical attention for it. I still haven't to this day. 
whether that's the right thing or the wrong thing, that's not an example I'm looking to set. I'm just, if the same was in the position that I was in when I was in it or is it something very similar, take the help you can get. Do you think, do you think, and, 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 and this, uh, this is a bit of a loaded question because I've got a bit of an opinion on this, do you think if you'd went to a doctor at any point, um, and I suppose maybe explain some of what's going on, do you do you think they would have, would have made a difference? Because the reason I've asked that is my experience of doctors, and, and I'm not saying all doctors, is when you go to a doctor with an issue these days, what you'll do is you'll tell them about a situation. Usually it's a situation that's causing something, like we said. Other things can happen and you, you can have issues through other things, but generally I'd say the majority of people going to the doctor with anxiety, depression, um, addiction issues, etc. It's a lot, it's been situational. Um, do you think they would have helped you? It would have changed anything? Because my experience is what happens, you tell them, Story X, and what they do is immediately give you give you drugs, um, antidepressants, whatever it may be. But rather than trying to affect the symptom, or the, sorry, the cause, they address the symptoms, and they send you they send you back into so a lot of the time the same situation, unless I suppose the gambling thing's a bit different because I think a lot of people are going to the doctor with depression and anxiety that's caused by a situation, and they're taking drugs and and drink, and that's making make them more anxious and more depressed. And they're maybe hiding that for the doctor a little bit, but doctors don't tend to say, what's the real cause of this? Where is this coming from? They go, well, they're a big pile of drugs. See how you got on your end. Do you think I'm going to a doctor with your sort of addiction? Because it's a very different addiction or a very different thing from something that could be caused by drink or drugs. Do you think they would have given you that help? Or do you, do you know, I'm not saying name names, but do you know anybody that did do that through your... Yeah, the group sharing. People that went to the doctors and what happened? This is no, this is no downcry any doctors because they're not friend on it. The doctor, all the doctor did was prompt them towards uh, Gamble Aware, which is yeah. a company that's run by bookmakers that teaches you to bet less <laughs> instead of not betting at all. Oh, and oh, either that or breathing space which is a kind of I think it's a phone line that you phone and you can kind of get some things off your back and speak to somebody Yeah. but the thing is see, see we gambling mm. the big issue in Britain is the government and I'm positive it's either three of the top five benefactor or people that give to the, the current government yeah. are, are gambling companies yeah. Yeah. so gambling isn't recognised as an addiction or an illness in mm. Britain uh, there's no funding goes towards any Gamblers Anonymous or Gammonon, which is partners of people who are in Gamblers Anonymous. Yeah, yeah. There's nothing that goes towards it, um, so it's not actually recognised as a yeah. as a proper addiction in Britain. So not anything to do with the doctor's fault. I don't think it would have helped. Well, see, and see, to be honest, we yeah. full of drugs. I don't think would have helped either. No, no. They will see that, that you're being a bit kinder than I'm going to be, mate. Fuck it. I, I, I think. Although it's the person's fault, right, and this is what I get across, if you do these things, you do them to yourself, all right? Yeah, there's other, there's other issues you can have, actual men, people can have mental health issues because there's actually something physically wrong with their brain and stuff like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The stuff we're talking about a lot, it's either situational or something that's driven from within you, yeah? 
you have then got the fucking choice to do it or not do it. It doesn't matter how. I chose to, I chose yeah, to yeah, and I chose, and I chose to take drugs. So nobody should be listening to this thinking um, that there's anybody else to blame. If you're currently doing this, the only person if I can look at is go to a mirror and stand in front of it and look yourself in the fucking eye and have a word with yourself because the only person that Peter said earlier on that's going to change it is you. And where I, I couldn't yeah. do that at the time. I couldn't look at myself in the mirror because I didn't like what I saw. No, and a lot of people I, don't. I wasn't the same person in that mirror that I thought I was. See, but that's what I was going to say as well, Peter. When you go to get help in this country, you're saying that obviously some of the biggest funders of governments and, and stuff like that are come for gambling. There's too much out there there isn't any a lot of genuine help for people and I do think doctors are in the front line of this and I do think they need to take a fucking big part not the blame as such but when you approach a doctor these days and obviously you said you didn't go to the doctor when you go to a doctor with a, an issue what they tend to do is they tend to either one thing they ask you these days is do you what do you think it is I don't know doctor I'm not paid 80 grand a fucking year to figure this out I'm coming to you because I need help if I knew I would figure it out also, what they do is immediately move to drugs. It's almost a, it's like a default. It's like they've been trained to give you drugs, and the drugs don't actually necessarily work majority of the time. The look, look at that line yeah. of the song. I can't remember exactly what it is. The drugs don't work. They just make it worse. Yeah, and that that tends to be that tends to be the the, the case. So. I think doctors are not doing their fucking job properly because when somebody's sitting in front of them, but they go, but it's not even lack of training, Peter. How can somebody that that, that uh, what have they been trained in? Then, right? Sorry, I'm not 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 meaning to disagree with you. If you if you get on seventy eighty grand a year as a GP or whatever it is these days, and you're the front line for the health industry or the or, or the or supposed health industry, why are you not trained to offer? solutions and cures rather than treat symptoms is do you get would you get where i'm coming from i just think from the from the person the gambling perspective because it it's it's designed to be kind of hush hush they aren't they aren't they totally aren't trained and for what the gambling does to you and that's where it becomes hard because they can't give you any specific treatment if they don't understand what it's doing to you. But that's what I mean. You can tell them what it's doing to yeah. you, but there's a difference between telling somebody and them understanding. Yeah, but whether they understand it or not, if their automatic defaults to fucking hand you a pile of drugs, do you get where I you're coming from? Nah, yeah, I'm, well, I'm not really, trained to talk about that kind of thing. I will, I've, I've got experience of it, and obviously you've said the people you know that went to the doctor, they weren't really much fucking help. It was just a case of, yeah, phone this number or phone this number that's actually attached to gambling companies, which will help you let's gamble a slightly less amount. That's that's That seems ridiculous to me. That's where the issue is. The issue basically becomes that n- nobody has ever pointed towards Gamblers Anonymous, right. right? which is the same as Narcotics Anonymous for the drugs, Cocaine Anonymous, yeah. Alcoholics Anonymous. They're all the same. Not the, You know what I mean? They're all... In the same kind of brotherhood as each other, nobody's ever really pointed towards them by anybody. No, if you take into a bookies and say to somebody, "I've gambled my life savings, I've lost my house and all that," yeah, none of them would even know to send you to gamblers anonymous. Or would, so, or would they care? Well, no, 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 I'm I'm taking for granted the fact that they would care, but the thing is, it's not. 
it's very hush hush now. The reason for that is because again it's anonymous and and groups have to kind of contain their own anonymity, but. It's, but it's as if it's like a covert operation and it's not yeah. mentioned. But should a doctor, let's say, if somebody approaches a doctor with an issue, should the doctor not be going, this is the root cause, we, we should have some route to addressing the root cause? And and, and uh, the thing is, it's because I've had the experience of drug things and understand what happens when you go to doctors with um, sick depression and stuff like that and, and, and anxiety that's caused by that. Um, and it is the first thing they do is fucking give you a big pile of drugs. It could, it could be their protocol. You know, obviously we don't know. We're neither of us are doctors, and they, they obviously have to have certain protocol of how they deal with situations. But, but the protocol so should be to try and cure you. The protocol shouldn't be to fucking address the symptoms. That's what I'm getting at. Because they're the front line. They're the front line of everything in this country. Is is our health service? So whether it's because all these problems are caused by yourself. When you reach out for help, and a lot of people's first reach for help will be the doctor. Mm-hmm. Why is that? Why are they not trained, or why are they not seemingly interested in a, in addressing causes, and they want to address symptoms? And and, and that goes across. I know people have been to the doctor loads of times with other health issues, and <laughs> they seem to just go, "Yeah, they're, they're a drug. They're a drug," and it's not. How I want you to fix it, and I've I have uh, had said had uh, had discussions with doctors. There's nothing wrong with me. I want you to tell me what we can do to address the the problem. I don't want a packet of drugs. I don't want anything like that because there's nothing that's not going to solve it. Um, it's hard because see, see, with the the type of thing you're dealing with is special in addiction. Yeah, it, yeah. You can kind of see that it's outside the doctor's remit, although it's inside. I know that sounds a bit strange, but see with regards to addiction, it it's a lifestyle choice as well. Yeah, of course so it is. Of course it is. Your your full life is, is revolving around that said addiction. So yeah. I'm not saying I agree with the doctors pumping people full of drugs. I'm I don't, right? But a lot as well as the fact that to keep people off an addiction it takes a lot more than anything a doctor can prescribe you as well so I can see where you're coming from totally regards to there should be something a bit different to that Yeah. but there is a lot of it that's outside a doctor's remit as well yeah it's, it's like I said it's, it's, it's a tough situation and it's something that because I don't have first-hand experience, I can't really answer. Yeah, well, I, I, mean? I see, I do, mate, and I find it incredible, absolutely incredible, that any, the, 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 the way they operate, and, and the way they're allowed to operate, and doctors for a long time in, in this country were held up in high, with high regards, they were part of the community, and, 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 and they're, they're failing, they're failing on their, their, their oath, they're failing on their their duties to the to the people of this country, although the people are causing a lot of it themselves, they're there, paid very, very good money, they're, they might be under a lot of stress, they might be under this, that or the other, but they're there to to do a very different thing, and what they're doing now is they seem to be acting on behalf of pharmaceuticals by the first route is to give you fucking drugs, that's the answer for everything, there are, there are, some, there are some drugs, there are some drugs, and no addressing of the the actual core issue, um, and and I think it's a pawn. I think they're letting us down, and I think we're allowing them to let us down. More people should be sitting in a doctor's surgery when the doctor says, "What do you think's wrong with you?" Should be actually saying, 
I, I'm not, what, I wouldn't be here if I knew. And that is a common thing. That's a common thing they're starting to do. I've had experience it and I'm looking, I'm going, w- 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 me, I, I'm giving you some things and I want you to, and then they go, say, yeah, sometimes we don't know the answer. But while they tell you they don't know the answer, Peter, they also then prescribe you a big fucking pile of drugs. And you're going, I thought you didn't know the answer. Do you know what I mean? So I'm going, what, 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 are, you, what are you doing here? Why are you giving me drugs? If you don't know the fucking answer, do not be giving me something. And then you read the back of the drug things that you get and the, the, the amount of um, side effects is frightening. It's absolutely frightening. Um, so sorry we, we, we kind of went off a bit. Mate. It's, 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 see, see, just as you're talking about, about drugs, right? And addiction. Addiction is your drug. Yeah. Yeah. Whether, whether drugs itself is your addiction, yeah. um, the place that I found what I would call my medicine, and and I'll tell you right now, I, I can quite, you know, honestly tell you that, that Gamblers Anonymous saved my life. Right, okay. I told you about what, what kind of place I was in yeah. at the point where I finished the story off there and, and it wasn't very promising, put it that way. No, um, no, sorry we jumped onto other subjects there, mate. It was a bit rude because you, 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 you were getting to a point. So if you, sorry, mate, you continue. Um, and when, after the 13 weeks, I, I kind of spied myself. Um, I, I don't even remember who it was. Somebody pointed me towards Gamblers Anonymous. And I was very, very... Nervous, and I'm not a really nervous person. Um, obviously, I spoke to you before I came on here, and I said yeah. I was a wee bit kind of apprehensive. It was yeah. to do with kind of bearing my soul a bit, but it was also to do with kind of nervous tension of the fact that I could possibly help even just one person. Yeah. But I was very, very nervous with the thought of going to a Gamblers Anonymous meeting, but I bit the bullet and I went. Um, it's not what people expect, so I'll say that first of all, whether it's gambling, drugs, drink, any sort of addiction, it's not going to be what you expect when okay. you go to your, you go to a meeting. In what way? And that a lot of people have a misconception that it's going to be, this is hard to put it polite, I'm going to say this because this is what I've heard people say before. People think it's the worst of the worst. People think it's homeless people. People think it's people with no jobs. Yeah. Literally, people sitting there in rags. Doesn't have to be that. Your rock bottom doesn't mean that you have to be homeless. You have to be starving. Your rock bottom could be till, as, as soon as you get to a point in your life where it's becoming too much. That's your rock bottom. Yeah, yeah. So it doesn't mean to all your money's when. It doesn't mean to your house's when. It doesn't mean to you've put yourself in a coma with drugs till you've. Bent yourself half to death. If you're rock bottoms, you're rock bottom. It doesn't matter what it is compared to MDLCs. Because at the end of the day, although gamblers anonymous, cocaine anonymous, and alcoholics anonymous, whatever is is a goop, it's a personal addiction. But the people that I've met in in gamblers anonymous rooms, every single one of them has had a bearing. Whether it's one night, whether it's a thousand nights, every single one of them has had a bearing and where I am today. Okay. Because the biggest thing that you'll get in a support group or a, a fellowship as we call it room is one is support, two is a hand of friendship, three is the fact that you're going into a room knowing that the places that you've been, the thoughts you've had, the feelings you've had 
every day in that room has felt the exact same way as you. But it's identification. Mm. Being able to identify with people that have the similar illness as yourself okay. is absolutely invaluable from being able to keep away from your addiction. Now, obviously, we spoke, yeah. I mentioned earlier on that I'd never placed a bet from the day when it all came out. And that's that's still true to today. Um, it's it's going to be, because of the 13 weeks, when you move into a, f- a fellowship, your time and the year off, or you, you've, you've arrested. Because the thing is, any addiction, you can never, never fully beat an addiction. All you can do is arrest it. So, and what does that what does that mean? What does for, for anybody listening? What does that mean? You're in control of it instead of it being in control of you. Right. So, I, I would love to be able to go and gamble today, but I know I can't. That's the difference. Okay. I know I can't because for all the work I've done, which will be three years at Gamblers Anonymous in June. Yeah. All that can be taken away within thirty seconds. Yeah. Yeah. Easily. Yeah. So it's a big, big step, a very, very big, big step for somebody to take. And it took me, as I said, 13 weeks to be able to take that step. But yeah. my advice for anybody is it, it's the hardest thing you'll ever do in your life, but it's also the best thing you can ever do in your life. My life now, compared to what it was before I walked into my first Gamblers Anonymous meeting, you would never know it was I was the same person. Okay. In all honesty. Quick question for you then, mate. Because obviously you said that a lot. You think a lot of people's opinions are the groups. It's the lowest of the low. I've never been to one of these groups, um, and 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 my opinion and, and other people's or the feeling I get is they think a lot of the groups are run by people that are very, I don't know, a, a bit PC and you know, a bit arty-farty, you know what I mean, arty-farty, or, but the best way I could probably try and try and frame it is, if, I don't know if you, you'll remember these things, if you grew up in inner city Glasgow or inner city anywhere in Britain and, and across places in America or whatever, we tended to have a lot of guys who would come into the the areas where in overran with gangs and violence and drinking drugs and stuff, and there were a lot of kind of church guys. And they would wear what we called Nike Jerusalem, which were obviously sandals. And we wouldn't give them any credibility because they weren't us. They didn't come from our background and we were just kind of, they were really well-meaning, but they would then pass off to, you know, the suburbs and their big houses and it was all great. And we generally went to these things because they had computer games and, and free free food. But that's what I'm, I, I imagine some of the people that run these groups to be. If that makes sense, very, 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 very do-goody and and a bit preachy. So I don't, I don't have experience that. So maybe you want to, because there might be people thinking that, Peter, and and that's what puts them off. The way that they're run is they're not run by anybody specific. Right, okay. The group runs itself, so there's nobody in charge. Or the the people that are in charge of the specific things within the group, treasurer, secretary. We have a a chairperson, woman or man of. A different chairperson of the meeting every single week. We have a minute taker. Anybody can speak. So there's nobody from outside of said addiction is in that group. The group's just ran by the group itself. Right, okay. So there's no... I mean, some some of the literature is, is classed as not religious but spiritual. Right, okay, so yeah. 
you can interpret that any way you want. You can yeah. have your own spiritual beings, be it however you want. It can be God, it could be anybody. It's all interpretation. But there's nobody specific that runs groups. Quick question. It's all, it's all internal. Quick question. You've just mentioned spirituality. Do you or, or, or have you since starting these groups and, and you said there's a, a spiritual thing there? Um, if, if, I, if I picked that up correctly Have you became more spiritual Or, or more religious or, or anything like that Since starting that group Is your No I, Personally not I know that sounds quite abrupt right? My mum's my quite religious um, Right okay It's just something that I've never took to But at the end of the day The spiritual being And what we What the fellowship calls a higher power Can be anything Right, okay. Um, it doesn't have to be God. My higher power, personally, is the people within the rooms and what gets said in the rooms. That's that's my spiritual being because I know that is what's, what specifically keeps me off gambling. So yeah. it doesn't have to be religious. It's just a spiritual interpretation of whatever you want, really. So do you think there's... Uh, I, I, I take, do you still go to these groups? Yeah, yeah. I do. Is, is there any time scale that you need to, or, or, or not need to? Is there a time scale that they would say, yeah, you've you've had a you've had enough time or whatever, or could you continue to go to a group like that for the rest of your life? Pretty much the rest of your life. I mean, I know a, I know a gentleman who goes to the group that I go to, and uh, he's been free from gambling for forty two years. Right. Okay. But he also gambled for 44, 42 years previously. Have you replaced it with anything, Peter, do you think, in your life? Do you, so, it, obviously, you had an addiction, you said um, time, and f- f- I think we alluded to it earlier on, filling that, filling that gap. Have you found anything, obviously the group is filling some of that gap, it seems, mm-hmm. but they're not there 24-7. Is there anything else that you've found in your life that's made a huge difference, That you've that, that, that's a positive, and you've started to fill that time with? a big thing for me okay. um, it, it, it always was but it was never with maximum effort um, I was a good sportsman in my time um, but not there isn't I couldn't put my finger on something specifically that that I could say that I've used to fill the void but what I can say is I'm giving more time and effort to the things and the people that I should have been when I was gambling yeah. but I didn't so, family members and work and doing the things that I enjoy, I'm giving them the attention that they should have got, that they didn't get because I was gambling all the time. Do you think you're a better person for it, Peter? Definitely. In what way? Definitely. In what way? I'm, I'm, I'm noticed I've worked very, very hard to change myself as a person. I right. was, I mean, I'm not, I've, I've got more, what we call our orange, our orange, book so it's a book that you get that's basically G or A or whatever I've got it in front of me here yeah um and if you give me a minute I can look for a couple of the things in it that kind of explains it a bit better if you can every second yeah because you know what I'm trying you probably know what, what I'm trying to get with some of these things that's why that's why I'm kind of looking for this I mean I probably should know it but um, <laughs> it's just for specific wording to be fair, if anybody's ever listened to the podcast, when I talk when I talk about boxing, usually mate, there's a lot of things I should know, and, and um, I, I'm sure most it's bullshit. <laughs> basically, we have what's called the definition of a mature person. So right, okay. Basically, that's the type of person that you should be 
yep. now compared to what you weren't before. Yep. So, for example, on a cup, one side is what's called liabilities. So basically, it's like criticizing everybody, jealousy, envy, false pride, and resentment and hate. That's the type of person you were before because yeah. it was anybody else's fault that your addiction was as bad as it was. It wasn't your own fault. And anybody that's that's lives with an addict or anybody that has been one or is one will know that it's never your fault. It's always everybody else's. Yeah, yeah. On the other side, what you strive for is looking for the good in people, trust, forgiveness, love and steady hate, having patience with people. These are basically the things that is the very, very common signs that a gambler is on the left, or any addict is on the left-hand side. Yeah. The right-hand side is what you want to be by getting a recovery. So a recovery yeah. is basically a period of time off your said addiction that you're trying your best to become a better person. So... Would you think, I'm not the sorry. nasty, argumentative person who would walk by every day and criticise every single person and would do yeah. anything to give me an opportunity to gamble. I actually give people the time of day. I, I respect people when I, I never ever respected them. I wanted all the respect in the world, but I'd never give it out. Yeah. And it's it's like 180 degrees. Yeah. But yeah. At the end of the day, half and half of that, half of that is is going somewhere where you can get the help that you need yeah be it the fellowship half of that's yourself as well because if you don't yeah. meet halfway and you don't want to be a better person you don't want to give up your addiction i'm sorry to say it'll never work yeah of course of course and i i i agree with you mate um and again the the kind of message to to anyone if you notice anything within peter's story especially at the start this that might be that's the time and I, I, I don't know if you're going to agree with that, for, but for me, that yeah, yeah, if, you know, if you notice any of the triggers, which Peter was pretty much broke down the things that were happening, the things he was starting to do, if you're starting to do that, that's the time you need to go and speak to someone. And I know you go to the, you call it a fellowship. Is there, how, how do people get in contact with these guys, Peter? Because, you know, we've, we've, you've, you've given quite a lot of your, You've opened quite a lot of your life and said it fucking it basically destroys your life and then the group and you've had support and there's a bit of a spiritual thing here but it's not preachy and you know if you, go you, can, you can google it um if you type in whatever your said addiction anonymous there will be a group pretty close to you that you can go to um it doesn't have to be straight away jumping into a group all the the fellowships have web chats, they have helps, they have message boards where you can send things in anonymously and ask questions or ask if people think that that the way your life is going or what's happening in your life, if they recommend that you attend one of these groups. It's not just straight jump into a meeting. Um, I've done it on the recommendation of somebody else, but Googling is a a massively important thing. It's something that we kind of do every day, but don't think about doing. If that makes sense, so yeah. type it into Google and you'll you'll find something there. But you don't have to jump into it. And what I will say is, just as we kind of touched on that point about help, if anybody recognises any triggers that are mentioned previously, or are in the throes of where I was at the time, it's never too late. There's never a bad time 
to stop what you're doing. Um, it doesn't have to be early. It doesn't have to be late. It can be any time. What we'll see is obviously you'll tag myself when the yeah, well. when the the pod goes out. I'll I'll make sure my messages are open to anybody, whether you follow me or not. What is your twi- I'll, what I'll is your Twitter handle? P- yeah. Try. What is your Twitter handle, Peter, for people listening? It's, uh, at, at Pedro K one spell K E A Y number one. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Um. So my, I'll I'll make sure my messages are open. Yeah. So the MD that wants to message me privately and anonymously can do so. Um. <laughs> And as I said, I'm I'm not doing this to make myself any better no, no, no. else because I'm I'm really not. I mean, obviously, people have listened or know some of the things I've said, and that I'll never ever get over till I'm not here anymore. You know what I mean? But yeah, it's a lot to hold on to for the rest of your life as well, Peter. And it is a lot of people don't realise how how hard that can be. It can get too much. You know what I mean? It, it really can. Yeah. And one of the things that. I was particularly happy was I lost a couple of family members that were really, really close to me and I, one of them said to another family member that they were proud of what I'd done yeah. before that they got to see it and that's yeah. never sat well with me because I struggle with pride because at the end of the day all the carnage that I caused and all the hurt I caused everybody was done by me so yeah. if I hadn't caused all that then I would nothing to feel proud about neither would anybody else so yeah. it's something to me that doesn't particularly sit right but it's, I'm glad I managed to do what I've done to make amends to these people before it was too late because I think yeah. if I hadn't done it when I did and then the same situations had happened and they'd passed on I think it would have affected me and I'll yeah a lot worse than it did and it affected me pretty bad yeah. anyway no, I think um, yeah no I can I, I think a lot of people look on things they've done in life and not just addiction and then somebody passes away and you've, you've got no regrets there it's a, I mean, it's a natural thing to happen mate you know it's, it's, a, it's a natural thing but obviously given what yeah. you've said and you've probably not went into a lot of other details that, that you possibly could have done but you obviously have affected a lot of people that you were, were close to you and you loved and, and you've lost a lot of things as well um, at, the, at the time where, where everything happened, I had nothing. Um, I had absolutely nothing, and the fact that just shows the power of being a human in the human hmm. mind. The fact that you can lose everything, and you can be in an an addiction for as long as I was, and there's people out there that have been in it a lot lo- longer than me. Yeah, yeah. Um, but there's hope. Yeah, uh, it's the yeah. one thing that if I want MD to take anything out of this, there's hope. There's hope that nothing you've done, as long as you're still alive, nothing you've done up to this point matters with regards to hope because yeah. there's still hope for you to be able to change it around. Yeah, you're you're right, um, mate. You can't you can't change what's happened in the past. That's the that's the thing. You know, you've not nobody's got a time machine, so you you're going to have to live with these regrets and. You know, it's a phrase that somebody quite close to me always says. It's um, yesterday's history, tomorrow's a mystery. I've heard that as well. I've heard that. And I know you're not really one for big scenes, but that one is quite important because at the end of the day, I can't, I can't change what I done yesterday. I can't see into the future of what I'm going to do tomorrow. But what I can do is I can do what I need to do today, and that I can affect. Yeah. 
the other, I mean, hopefully people have, have listened to what you've said, Peter, and are getting, if you are in that place, I, I'm, I'm going to be blunt, you need to fucking do something. It's You need to do something. If you don't do anything, you're going to continue down the spiral. You're going to continue. So you need to do something. Do nothing will not change anything. Doing some, doing something like you said, it could be going on Google, going into a chat room. Throw, you could throw yourself straight in. You could go. I, I suppose you could go straight in a, a meeting. I would imagine. Um, but if you do nothing, nothing changes. So the, if, if anybody's listening to this and they notice these things, do fucking something before you get to. A lot of people probably, yeah. A lot of people probably have admitted they've got the problem, but they don't want to fucking admit it to anybody else. Yeah. You know, that's the thing. They, you, you, they're quite aware that there's an issue, but you don't want to admit it to anybody else. And and uh, coming off the back of uh, the Tyson Fury thing, where he had, he's telling everybody, you know, all oh, this happened, and then I get better, and look at me now. What what I, what I wanted pe- Peter or people to listen about your story, Peter, was not to realise what happened at the end when, when you managed to to sort yourself out, but what was happening at, at the start and where the catalysts were and where the signs for, because not a lot of people talk about that too much. You get a lot of people held up on a pedestal because they've recovered, and it's the recovery part that everybody focuses on, not the part when they were fucking wrecking their lives, not the part when they were hurting their relatives, they were losing relationships and fucking fucking up jobs and stuff especially in the public eye you don't get to see that part you get to see the good part part in the public eye about when people say that this is what I've went through and this is me coming out the other side I'd like to see or listen to the bit where they tell us what they've done that helped them get out the other side Mm. yeah yeah because everybody's story is going to be different to what they've done that's the important part the important part isn't it about coming out the other side it's about what they have done to get them into their side. Yeah, yeah. It's the it's that that thing, but it seems to be for a lot of the time, Peter, that you need to hit the fucking bottom to then come out to start to drag yourself out of that hole. And and, and I'd like people to listen to this that haven't hit that bottom yet and go, eh, that's where I'm going. I need to fucking where I'm digging this hole. I need to stop fucking digging and start climbing back at it because we don't want anybody there to lose loved ones. We don't want anybody to lose their job. We don't want fucking people's lives to be to get to that point. Um, and I think your story is quite quite a strong one, mate. And you've been obviously very frank about it and and very honest about it. Yeah. Nobody else done any of that stuff. It was me. Yeah, yeah. And if if me by me telling the story that I've done can help anybody, then I'd be absolutely delighted. Yeah. I'd, honestly, I would. Uh, yes. That sounds strange, but see, I've got a bit of humility in my life now, and I've got a bit of I actually care about other people, even if I don't know them. You know, see, before I, I'll be honest, yeah. I couldn't give a shit about MD apart from myself. But yeah. see now, if I can do something for somebody. At any point, I'll do it. Yeah, yeah. Because there was a lot of people that done things for me when they didn't need when I was in Mars. Yeah. And so it, it's my job to to repay that, basically. So if you, so a bit of like karma, I suppose. If we're going spiritual, if we're being a bit spiritual, to try and repay what was what was paid to you. Um. Basically, the yeah. way I live my life is now is. It tells you in the back of my, my book, basically, I 
affect the things that I can't change. I have the courage to change the things that I can deal with, but I also have the humility to realise that if I can't change something, it's going to happen anyway. Yeah, that's... So, is that not, that's an Alcoholics Anonymous kind of saying as well, isn't it? Yeah, the yeah. Same thing. It's the exact same thing on the back of the on the back of the GE book. It's called a serenity prayer. Um, that that's what it is. So basically, in my life now, I deal with the things that I'm able to deal with, and anything else that's going to happen, it's going to happen whether I whether yeah. I bother about it, whether I react to it anyway. Yeah, yeah. Pretty it, much. It's your stuff is similar but different from the the, the drug thing. Um, because I I wanted to to take the touch on that. Um, your your stories are a lot different for for anything that's happened with me. But the for the drug point of view, to give people that are listening to say, well, I don't have a gambling addiction. I've maybe alcohol or, or or drugs. The way that I always what happened with me is I'd, I'd I'd played football up to a high level and then I get injured and I fell away from my football and I was a bit a bit lost, kind of similar to you. But we started being a bit lost. Didn't really know what to do. Didn't have. Like, had qualifications, but they weren't specific to to me going into like PE teaching or or, or anything like that. Mm-hmm. So I ended up doing starting to do jobs, and up until I I, I really um get injured in football and stuff like that, and that was starting to dwindle away. I hadn't really drank, I hadn't took drugs, I hadn't done anything like that. I just I I just been fixated by football, mm-hmm. and then what happened is I I think I started taking ecstasy um, no first it was amphetamines first it was speed because I was starting to go nightclubbing and at the time dance music was just starting to hit Britain so I'd, I'd, I didn't really have a massive situation that, that, that kicked me off it was more a the, the situation what I was starting to get addicted to was the the going out now the nightlife the girls and, and stuff like that and at that time the drugs went hand in hand with that but obviously, I was I was also feeling a wee bit lost and didn't know what to do. And I, I was starting to do jobs, and this isn't sounding uh, fucking people can take this whatever they they want. Actually, I was doing jobs, and I've always pretty much done jobs that weren't that weren't good enough for me because I was better than that, and I knew I was better than that. And but because the football injury and and things had fell apart through that, and because I I didn't have direction. I was ending up doing jobs just chasing money, stuff I didn't like doing, stuff I hated. And the more I done stuff that didn't feel right within me, the more I chased something else mm-hmm. to, to block those feelings out. Because inadequacy is probably not the right word, but I felt I didn't feel right within myself. And I didn't, I was too something young. Was something, yeah, something, something was missing was I wasn't, I hadn't achieved or I wasn't in a place where, where I, I expected to be or thought I should be. And people can say, say, yeah, you're arrogant, you're up yourself, whatever that, but I still feel like that to this day. I still don't feel, I still don't feel I'm at the place that I, that I should have been. Um, and those feelings made me really, really hard to deal with. Because I had such a strong personality as well, so I would cause uh, not trouble or stuff like that. But in, in workplaces, I, w- I was very argumentative. I would stand up for myself. Sometimes that, that's not really a bad thing. It just didn't make it be. Um, I always had it in my head. I was my own boss, and I always have had. And I, I don't know. I think it's quite a good attitude. But in the corporate, in the corporate world and stuff like that, it didn't go down well. And I had really good jobs and. Um, but the whole time I was taking more and more and more drugs, and what was te- what was starting to happen is where you went in debt with gambling. 
I was going in debt through going out partying. I ended up in £20,000 of debt Aye. through, at the age of 19, through just basically chasing a lifestyle and, and, and a lifestyle to try and fill a void because I didn't fucking feel very good within myself. I wasn't very proud of myself and because of the drinking drugs it had started to affect relationships with my family and stuff and I didn't have the, the best upbringing I won't, won't get into that because I don't want to hurt any of my, my, my family. I just didn't have the best upbringing. Um... I'm not pro- see, see what you're sorry to cut you off. See no, what it's okay. there, though. It's, it, it relates to me so much because it doesn't have to have a specific addiction, but it sounds totally like my addiction yeah. with just a different a different name on it. Yeah, yeah. And so I, I can I can totally see where you're coming from, you know what I mean? But I think that's the same with a lot of people. I think that's what what's happened to the catalyst and we have a very hedonistic um approach in this country. We our whole social things revolves around pubs. And drinking and gambling, mm-hmm. right? And then we've added, you've added drugs into that mix. And this country's a wash, a wash with cocaine and stuff like that. Particularly cocaine these days, and it used to be ecstasy and stuff like that. But my my thing is, I, I never spiraled into something that I would call. I was addicted to the the lifestyle. I was ad, I was addicted to partying. And then what would happen is because drugs do have an effect on your mental health, they do have an effect on your physical health, I started piling on weight. And then when I started doing that, I was to, I changed totally as a person. As, I mean, absolutely changed. Um, and I wasn't I wasn't nearly cheating or lying or anything like that, but I just didn't put value in relationships or anything like that. I didn't really care. Um, and I had a lot of acquaintances, but not a lot of friends. See, that's what I noticed as well. I had a lot of people that thought were friends, and that's exactly the word. They're acquaintances. Um, well, no, the, the, listen, there's, there's a lot of guys I'm still friendly with, and and I got involved in things I, sh- I shouldn't have done, right? But not not bad things, but involved in drug dealing. Um, and I've, you know, I, I, like I said, I'm not, I wouldn't want to kind of mention anything, but I've got a lot of people I'm, I'm still friendly with them, and I think they're. they're for, I'll always be friendly with them, but my message to, to kind of get to a point is that if you're on or, or taking ecstasy, cocaine and, and stuff like that, and you're starting to see it becoming a two, three times a week thing, you need to take a step back really, really, really quickly because what will happen is a bit like Tyson Fury, you may find yourself in a position health-wise really quickly. And also, you will find that it will obviously affect your mental health because it works on serotonin release. And what happened with me is I was then going to the doctor with what I thought was depression. And I I wasn't depressed. It was the situational stuff because I was taking drink drugs and I wasn't happy within myself. It was all cumulative effect. Yeah, and it wasn't that I was trying to damage myself or anything like that. It was just I basically wasn't happy with my my life. And I started to to try to mitigate the the, the lack of happiness or fulfilment, um, or, or whatever way you want to put it, and and it, and it spiraled. And when I approached the doctors, Peter, that's why I had a fucking kick off about the doctors. They wanted to give me. They wanted to just give you drugs. They, 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 you you you're obviously you've got an issue that that involves drugs, and they want to give you drugs. And the way that I looked at it, the way that they seem to be with the way I approached it is because I was starting to get health issues and I was starting to miss things and work and, and all that great stuff. They wanted to drug me to make sure I went to work. 
Do you know what I mean? Well, so, could have been the issue that was causing it in the first which, place. Which could have been, because a lot of people, the majority of people in this country are, are unhappy with where they work, right? Most people don't really like their job. Some people do, some people don't. Some people convince themselves that it's better than somebody else's and therefore it's good. You know, you've got a, you've got, you've got a, a better share of shit than somebody else's, so therefore it's all okay and they accept that and, and it's unacceptable. But companies, I know companies are happy for their workforce to sit there and drug themselves. The painkillers are awash in offices, in corporates. Everybody's taking painkillers because basically they're, they're getting physical symptoms of stress now, sore necks and backs and stuff like that. Those same people are drinking in excess. I know people that were drinking every single night saying it was two glasses of wine. It wasn't two glasses of wine. It's probably closer to two bottles in reality because they're obviously trying to hide. You know, they don't want to tell people they're fucking drinking bottles of wine every night. Then there was the, the class A drugs, cocaine and stuff like that. It was a wash in a lot of these places as well. But the workplaces usually knew and they were happy for you to go to your doctor. And then you would tell the doctor these things. If you even told them the, tr- the, the, the truth or the majority of it, he would then ply you with fucking antidepressants to send you back into the very situation that was possibly causing it in the first place. And it fries my fucking head, mate. And I, I know people listen to this are probably going, yeah, that's the same thing. And what I ended up doing in one of my jobs was by this time, I, I, I started to get a hand on the party and stuff like that um, for... for 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 reasons I've got a I've got a daughter and stuff like that and that kind of made me take a step back and you want to be an example and, and all that stuff and that was it was a bit time I start I kind of stopped anyway you know I was having physical effects but even when I was in in, in a job where I the the doctor wanted to give me antidepressants and stuff and I did start taking a little bit I went back to my job and told them that I was no longer willing to drug myself to do a job. And you guess what that guess what that company then did, Peter? And this is for everybody out there that you should be doing this. If your job's the fucking catalyst, tell your doctor you don't want drugs. The situation is that the, the the workplace you're in is 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 is, is causing it. Um, and obviously you're tied into mortgages and all that. There's a bigger conspiracy theory going on here, which makes you forces you actually fucking turn up for the jobs you don't like. But you should be going back. Yeah, they made me. They made my job redundant. They made my job redundant because I told them I was no longer willing to drug myself. Uh, I think that's fucking appalling. I think that's absolutely appalling. And this is the one thing I say to people that are in this situation and not necessarily drug thing. Don't let yourself be bullied into taking fucking other drugs because my experience of those drugs was it made you like a, a, a robot, pretty much. Um, so I do think doctors have got a... Uh, let's say I shoulder quite a lot of the, the blame for um, some of the stuff that's going out there because I think a lot of people are going aren't really depressed they've got anxiety and stress which is caused by their jobs and you know everybody doing two or three times the work they're meant to do and having bosses that are horrible and stuff like that and instead of ad- addressing it properly the doctors go yeah their drugs go back to that job because I'll give you some statistics mate and I probably went off track I always do always going tangents away from drugs and stuff how Take a guess, mate. Let's guess how many people in this country, or, or sorry, these this statistics from England, but you can extrapolate that out. How many people in this country do you think are on antidepressants? One in what? One in two. No, mate. God, Jesus Christ. <laughs> that's <was, laughs> as bad as that. Nah, uh, nah, I don't know. Maybe one in five. Pretty much one in six. One in six people in this country antidepressants. That's a fucking, that's an epidemic. 
that's an epidemic. That's that's frightening. And to give you other statistics, and and, and this is we want people to, to think about what they're doing and the way drugs are affecting you and addictions affect you as, as they push you down another route, and then the doctors start fucking giving you drugs, and they don't really trust me. The, the, my experience is they don't they don't necessarily help. Um, NHS prescribed a record number of antidepressants last year, and. 2006 in England, they prescribed 31 million prescriptions for drugs, right? And a lot of them are antidepressants and that sort of stuff. Um, and then in 2016, that figure was 64.7 million. From jump in, in 10 years, and this is why I'm going back to people need to start challenging doctors and stuff like that. Even if you think you've got issues which are caused by drugs or whatever. When you sit at that doctor's, you need to challenge them. You need to tell them to address the cause and not the symptom. And if it is your jobs and stuff like that, because obviously drugs and, and addiction and stuff like that, it, there's a wider implication, but um, a lot of people are, are are saying they've got mental health problems when I don't think necessarily they have, but they're treated as if, if they have and then they're sent back into the situation that's fucking causing it. It's, it, it's bizarre. <laughs> it's absolutely bizarre um so I, i've kind of went off track with that one a bit there because i just didn't want to um, no i mean I, quite, I jump I, I generally jump between subjects i went for drugs and then went yeah but if you've got this going on and you know this is what you in my opinion what you should be doing people need to take more care of themselves peter um That's it. Yeah. in a general That's sense if MD's got anything that they would even like to just ask me, then don't hesitate. I'm, I'm here to listen. Yeah, same with me. I mean, you can, you know, I can come across as a wee bit harsh and, and, and stuff like that and some of the stuff I say in the podcast. But if anyone's got a, a problem and they think it's caused by drugs or they're in a situation where they're starting to be fed antidepressants and stuff like that, they, they, you can message me at, at a good right-hander on Twitter and I will get back to you and just tell you the, 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 the fucking truth. And I'm one of these people that sometimes pours gasoline on things and throws a match at it. But <laughs> we should be challenging things. You shouldn't just be getting fucking drugs given to you by doctors that and then sent back in to be a, a worker. And that's what's that's from what seems to be happening with a lot of the the the, expo- the explosion we've had on antidepressants. I thoroughly enjoyed it. I have thoroughly enjoyed it. And- as much as I don't particularly like telling some of the no. some of the stuff I've done, and it, it's kind of, it hits home a wee bit now because every time I kind of tell my story a bit, it, for the next couple of days it's it can be a bit have you g- gone kind of looking back as much as but I've enjoyed it and. Yeah, if you you get anything you want to finish with, Peter, is there any last message? Because uh, my message is sometimes I can challenge things and challenge people and don't <laughs> accept it. And I, 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 I'm, I and, and, you know, I, I've, I've been in that situation. I'd say before I go is. If you're in any doubt, ask. If you're in any doubt about whether what you're doing is right, wrong, or whether it's got to the stage it's got, and whether it's further than it should be, or whether it's having an effect on you, ask. Because it can't do you any harm. Yeah. Yeah. It yeah. can't do you any harm. But apart from that, I'm, I'm going to be honest. Do you mind if I let you finish off in a nip because I've been bursting for the. <laughs> 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 no, mate, I'll, 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 I'll finish off, you drop off, mate, and I, I appreciate yes. your time and I'll finish off. I appreciate you giving me the time and I'll... Uh, no, I appreciate it, mate, as well. Thanks very much. Thanks, Peter, thanks, pal. Thank you. Cheers, mate. Bye. Bye.
Well, that was Peter. Um, I hope you understand that we're just two normal working class guys trying to come at this and I suppose a bit of a different angle and I challenged Peter quite a lot and then I went off on a, a mad tangent at the end and, and spoke about fucking how your work can affect you and stuff like that and I'm sorry if it's, it seems I seem a bit all over the place sometimes, my, my, I kind of am in my head but the message is that the, well my message is if you feel like you're in those situations, you feel anything's happened to you like that, you need to do something and I, and I know I keep saying that, you need to do something because doing nothing's not going to not going to work. Um, if you're in a situation where it's your job or anything like that is causing or, or, or anxiety and you think it's causing depression, etc., you need to do something about that. And from my point of view, doing something about that isn't going to your doctor and letting your doctor give you drugs to put you back in that situation. Because unless that situation changes, nothing is going to change. You're going to end up in prescription drugs and the doctor shouldn't be fucking doing that. If there's any doctors not listening, do your fucking job. Your job is to help cure people. Your job isn't to treat people or treat the symptoms for the benefit of corporate fucking Britain, which it sometimes looks like you're doing. So have a word with yourself. Next time someone's sitting in front of you, let's not ply them with drugs. Let's go down a different route. Obviously, if you've also got some addiction problems or you see the start of addiction problems in Peter's story or, or some of the stuff I've said, you're partying and you... It's not, not necessarily addicted, but it's having implications in your health, your job, the way you're acting. You need to also do something. Just do something, guys. Talk to somebody. Um, you know, go contact the, one of the groups, like Peter said. Go online and see if you can speak to somebody. Um, message Peter directly. Message myself directly on Twitter. Um, we'll try and help you. I'm not a doctor, and to be fucking fair, given the experience I've had, I'd probably, I'd probably give you better advice than, than most of those guys these days because they seem to be operating for the pharmaceuticals and in corporate Britain by drugging the workforces and sending you back in. Um, but yeah, do something, guys. It's it's a message of don't fucking... It's, it's, not, it's not a good thing. I don't think me and my, me or Peter are, are proud of some of the stuff we've been involved in and the way it's affected our lives because it's not been a positive, all right? It's just... It, none, none of it's been a positive. There's a positive story that comes out at the end, but the fact is you don't want to be in that fucking situation where you have to tell that story. Because if you've had to tell that story, you've fucked up quite a lot of things in your life, jobs, relationships, you know, things with your kids, and obviously Peter doing things like, you know, with charity money and stuff like that. It's not a situation you want to be in. Nothing, there's nothing good about this. And if you listen to it, me, myself and Peter do not want a pat on the back. We don't want patted in the back for this. We don't want it's not for sympathy, it's not for publicity, even though this has gone out in a podcast, I decided to do this with Peter to try and see if we can help someone, um, and, and, and not being the so-called experts in it, I hope there's something in this that you could have, that you could take or, or relate to that, that might help you if you are in that situation, if you're not in that situation and you're young and stuff like that, listen to what we've fucking said, do not make these mistakes in the first place, do not make these mistakes in the first place. I know you're, you know, if it's someone that's young, you might be going, yeah, and I'm telling you, I'm telling you now, drugs, gambling, all that fucking bollocks, nothing good comes of it. Absolutely nothing good comes of it. Um, and you end up having to sit at my age, which is 44, and tell people on, you know, a podcast that you fucking end up in £20,000 a day and, you know, you fucked up relationships and, yeah, you've got a lot of regret and there's a lot of 
don't, I don't necessarily have a lot of regret like Peter does. I've got a lot of issues with how I feel in, internally um, with myself, as in I'm not very comfortable with myself and I haven't been for the majority of my life because I don't think I've, I've lived up to my expectations and I think it's been a bit of a failure. So um, you don't want to feel like that. And obviously Peter was quite honestly wrecked a lot of things and was at the pretty much bottom and suicidal thoughts and stuff like that, guys. So listen to when someone's saying that. You, like I said, if you're young and you're thinking, nah, nah, um, trust me, you don't want to be in that position. So you don't really understand what it's like to, to have those thoughts. And Peter obviously does. Um, and if, if, yeah, just don't fucking do it in the first place, okay? That's, that's the message. And if you're listening to this and you think it will help people, then please retweet um, share it with other people, point them towards the, the podcast, but don't give us loads of praise or anything like that, you know, the the, the, the praise will come if this helps somebody, and I know I'm being a bit, you know, um, can sounding with that, but that's that's true, that's why we that's why we did it, because some of my comments about Tyson Fury might have seemed a bit disingenuous as well, and I wanted to give this subject its due, we're coming to the end of the year, with Christmas and all that coming up, and there's a lot of people who'll be in these situations, who unfortunately will do things, I mean the, the suicide rates through the roof in this country is continuing to go up, um, but, you know more men commit suicide than women, um, but these problems aren't just men, they go across, they go across everything, um, all, all parts of society, so guys, if you're in that situation, go and try and get some fucking help, but do something, pick up a phone, go on the internet, that just just do something. Um, if you're young and you've not done these things, don't fucking do them. Um, it's not a good fucking thing to do. You will not end up in a good place. Um, and yeah, everybody, hope you listened, and I hope we made some sort of sense. I know I went off in tangents at the end, but I want to thank you for listening. Um, and sometimes, if you, again, even sorry to keep going on about this, if you think you see some of these signs in somebody, you need to challenge them. I know it might feel uncomfortable, but if you don't, you you might be in regret. Should something they do something that you know harm themselves or whatever, and you say, "Yeah, I saw signs." You need again. You also need to do something. Um, but yeah, sometimes it's just just. Look to your left and look to your right these days, and 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 try and care a bit about each other a little bit more. Um, so this has been a good right hander uh, special episode. Thanks for listening. <laughs>